So as we get ready uh, to really dive in, if you're new with us here at City Church, I just want to say welcome. My name is Mike. I have the privilege and honor of serving here as the lead pastor. Um, and my wife is right there. She's absolutely awesome. And um, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we've been in a collection of talks called the Songs of Ascent, which really start in Psalms 120 and go to 134. And really, this is the playlist for the Israelites as they were traveling to Mount Zion for worship at the temple uh, in the Holy of Holies. And, and every week we've kind of been going through. And so I just want to kind of lay out the next couple weeks because we're going to change things up just a little bit. Uh, we've been doing a chapter every Sunday. And I really feel like there's going to be a few weeks that the Lord wants me to highlight some things here for our church. And so there's a few weeks where we're going to actually couple two chapters into one message. Um, but it's good because the chapters are only three verses long. So it works out, right? So, um, but I'm excited about that. A uh, few housekeeping things, then I want to dive straight into this. As you guys know, parking is always an issue. Can I get an amen? So he said hello. He's like, hello, hello. So uh, this is what I want to let you guys know. Uh, this building right next to us, the, the white building is vacant. Um, the person who owns it uh, also owns one of the businesses back here. And on Sunday, even though it says no parking, you can park there because the businesses back here are all closed on Sunday. Now, if it was a Tuesday afternoon and we were having church and revival was breaking out or something like that, you can't park there. you got to park on the street, all right? But I just want to let everyone know, uh, I see some of you guys, and y'all are so faithful, and I just love it. You're like, you're like traveling to Mount Zion, right? You're like parked like six blocks over, and you're like, we're going to the house of the Lord, you know, he's singing. and uh, um, You can park closer. Park closer, all right? And uh, so I just want to make you aware of that. Yes, yep, right over here, um, Dynasty Chemical. Uh, the guy over there, he's actually really nice, and, and so um, hopefully he'll come to church one day. But hey, guys, um, so I just got back from a conference. I went down to Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and anyone ever been to Birmingham? There's like three things in Birmingham. It's, um, it was actually it was a really good conference, but uh, the town is kind of a little lame. All right, maybe it's because I love Albany and Albany's really cool. Um, but on the way back, on the way back, it was me and the person who went with me. Uh, we, we go into the Birmingham airport, and I'm telling you, this is a massive airport of about six gates, okay? And uh, we're, we're, it's more than that, but it feels like it, okay? And so uh, this airport has got like this restaurant bar type thing. As soon as you literally get through security, right there in the middle of the airport, and then it's got Chick-fil-A in a Starbucks, and that's it, all right? And the Chick-fil-A line was too long, and God's chicken holy place is not that far anymore. Can I get an amen, somebody? Um, I went there yesterday, and they didn't have power. I was a little upset. But, uh, but so I'm, I'm sitting there, and it's like, all right, we're, we're going to go to this place, you know, with, with everybody else in the, the airport, because there's not a lot there. And so I'm sitting down there, and we're sitting at the, at the bar, and um, there's a, a few people sitting there, and, you know, they're just having small talk, and we get this notification on our phone, ding, your Delta flight has been delayed. And I'm like, all right, it's okay, it's okay. Um, and so our flight got delayed, an hour. Not that big of a deal, right? 
like just another hour. We did get to the airport super early, so we're just gonna hang out at the airport. Um, and I'm sitting there, and, and I'm listening to all the conversations that are taking place around me, all right? And, and I, I wanna say this, because it's, it's kind of funny. There's this lady sitting next to me, and then this other dude that's traveling to Boston, and then one of the coaches of one of the football teams, not the University of Alabama, because we would have fought, but one of the local uh, you know, universities. And, and so everyone's just sitting there, they're all talking, they're having a good time. And uh, this, this lady, she's like, so I heard you talking to your kids. And I was like, yeah, they, well, they, they play Fortnite. And I was like, yeah, can we talk about Fortnite? Like, she's like, well, I have a nine-year-old, and man, he loves Fortnite. And I'm like, yeah, I, I love that Judah loves Fortnite, but you know, Allie doesn't like Fortnite. And they kind of go at it sometimes. And there's all this that's happening. And so she's like, well, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Albany, New York. And she's like, well, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. And like, we're talking and stuff. And then, and then I go, hey, what do you do for work? And she's like, I'm, I do sales or, or something along those lines. And then she turns to me, all right? And I love this because it happens. And when it happens, it just, it gets really funny. She goes, well, what do you do for work? I was like, all right. So I go, just take a guess. And she's like, well, it's definitely not sales. You seem too nice. Maybe it's IT. And I'm like, maybe. Just take a guess. She's like, I have, I have no idea. So um, I look at her and I go, I'm a pastor. And she's like, oh my gosh, are you like one of those Justin Bieber churches? And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? She's like, I don't know. You just look like a Justin Bieber type pastor. And, and so um, I'm a little offended. I like Justin Bieber, right? You know? Um, so we're talking and I'm telling her about the church and she's telling me she's Episcopal and like her faith story and, and we're just having a good old time. Then we get another notification. Ding, your flight has been delayed again. And so at this point, everyone on our flight is now at this one restaurant just hanging out. And so everyone gets the notification. They turn to each other and it's like, yup, y'all yup, got delayed. Yep, we're all getting delayed. And so now it starts becoming funny and humorous and we're just having a good old time. So then um, I'm sitting there and, and she's, like, uh, she's like, so are you one of those, those bougie churches? And I'm like, no, we're not, we're not like that. And then someone starts talking and they're like, hey, what cabin are you sitting in on the plane? And I was like, help me out, Kevin, you know where I'm going with this. You know exactly where I'm going with this. I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in first class and you're sitting right next to him, you know, 2C, I'm 1B. And, and she looks at me and she goes, what do you mean you're not one of those bougie churches? You're sitting in first class. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got upgraded because I fly a lot. I, did not, I want you all to know, y'all did not pay for that. I did not pay for that. I got upgraded. And she's like, uh-huh, I'm so sure, Mr. Justin Bieber pastor. And I'm just like, man, I am just digging myself a ditch right now. Long story short, we start headed to the gate and da-ding, your flight has been delayed again. So at this point, our flight's been delayed like two and a half hours. We're supposed to be in Atlanta, uh, but our flight is landing when our other flight is taking off, right? And so we get to the plane, jump on there, um, and she walks by and she's like, see, and you know, just like, Father, forgive me, you know, bless her or whatever. Get to Atlanta, get to the other plane, and um, we get on the plane. I mean, I'm like, <sighs> we get there, sitting there, and then they're like, there's no pilot for the plane. 
And I'm just like, so you got everyone on the plane, which is hot, it's hot Atlanta, it's stinky, and we're just gonna sit here for the pilot, right? Has anyone ever been in a situation like this? Normally it's with Southwest, okay? This time it was with Delta. I was like, Delta, are you losing your salvation right now? Like, we got to have a come to Jesus type moment. And so, long story short, um, I'm the type of person that when things don't go as planned, I get frustrated. Anybody? Some of us control freaks. And this was one of those times that nothing was going as planned. Now, thankfully, I was able to have some really cool conversations and meet some people and we talked about Jesus, and we laughed, but nothing was going as planned. And the good news is I did make it home Friday night at 2.30 on Saturday morning, like two and a half hours later than I was supposed to. Was tired all day yesterday, but it was a great conference. Here's my point. I get frustrated when things don't go as planned. You get frustrated when things don't go as planned. We all get frustrated to some degree when things don't go as planned. But how many of you know that following Jesus, sometimes things don't go as planned? And we get frustrated. We get irritated. Maybe it could be uh, something that is happening at home. That you thought that, man, we're going to serve God, we're going to follow Jesus, everything's going to go great. And there's challenges at home. Or maybe you're a student, right? And you've been studying and prepping and, and, and believing God for this test or believing God for to land a job and you get done with school and you're not able to find a job. And you're just like, God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Maybe for some of us, it's you've been faithful, you've been tithing, you've been serving, you've been praying, and then the next thing you know, you're diagnosed with an, an illness, cancer, or something happens to someone in your family, and you're just sitting there, and you're just like, God, it wasn't supposed to happen like this. This is what this psalm is all about. It's a psalm of the Israelites saying it wasn't supposed to happen like this. It's a psalm of the Israelites sitting there and getting frustrated with where they are and everything that they've been through. But it's also a song of God's uh, encouragement to his church. It's a song of perseverance for the church. It's a song of saying, hey, when you get knocked down, you have the grace to be able to get back up and to keep going. Because not of anything that you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Following Jesus does not always go as planned, but in every situation, if we lean in and we trust him, he will get glory. So I want to just kind of walk through this over the next 15 minutes or so, but he starts out and he says, greatly, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, now let me just pause real quick. This is a song, and so I just feel like this is one of those, those talkback moments that the writer's having, you know, like, what's up, Albany, how we doing? And, you know, goes like this. I just kind of feel like they're on their journey, and it's, it's like, you know, greatly have they afflicted me. Can I get somebody to say it? And then you got the whole congregation. It's like, greatly have they afflicted me. Like, I just, you guys, y'all tracking me? That was what was happening in my head last night as I was reviewing this. I was like, oh, that's a talkback moment, you know? Gets the people going. But he says, greatly have they afflicted me upon my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my 
youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. I, I love that part in verse 2. Verse, verse 2 is essentially just repeating verse 1. But he says, um, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. Yet they have not prevailed against me. They made long their furloughs. He talks about the plows and the furloughs and essentially what the kind of the best picture and what William Henry says as a commentary is he said this is like someone just laying down on their, their stomach and your back is up and someone takes a plow to your back and they just start driving it into your back. That's what the writer here is trying to paint as a picture. A picture of, of just turmoil, a, a picture of affliction, a picture of pain, a picture of heartache. And if anyone understood this, the Israelites understood this. Think about what they went through in Exodus. Think about the different kings that they had and the different judges that they had who were wicked. Think about um, Jezebel who wanted to stop all the churches from being churches and to wipe out all the prophets of God. Think about Jesus and what he went through and the affliction and the agony and the pain that he experienced. Think about the Apostle Paul, right? Paul, who was snake-bit and stoned and stripped naked and thrown into prison and thrown into jail. Affliction upon affliction upon affliction. Yet, they will not prevail. Some of us are sitting here today and we're going through affliction. We're going through struggles. We're going through pain. And I'm here to tell you, Satan will not prevail in your life if you put your trust in God. Satan will not prevail. Coming, coming back from, from Alabama in seat 1B, which is first class, that was complimentary upgrade. I just want to, don't judge me, all right? Kevin knows exactly what I'm talking about, so that's all I have to say. Let's talk to Pastor Kevin over here. I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this movie called Just Mercy. Anyone ever seen it? Incredible movie, and I would encourage you to watch it, not with kids, because it is a gruesome movie. It's, it's, it's based on a true story. But Just Mercy is about a lawyer by the name of Brian Stevenson, who is um, essentially a civil rights lawyer who ends up... Uh, uh, picking up the case of a man by the name of Walter McMillan, also known as Johnny D. And in 1986, Johnny D. was falsely accused and arrested for murdering a white girl. And because he was in Alabama, this, this black man was then thrown into prison. They lost a bunch of evidence. They falsified witnesses. And then he was sentenced to death by the electric chair. And, and what happened is Johnny D, he started fighting and appealing the court, saying, hey, um, this, this, this isn't true, I didn't do this. And he'd send in one appeal and it would get turned down. He'd send in another appeal and it would get turned down. Finally, after the third one, he just kind of gave up hope and he's like, this is it, I'm going to die. And he spent six years on death row waiting for his execution to come. And that's whenever this lawyer, Brian Stevenson, ends up hearing about his case, a young 20-year-old Harvard grad, an African-American man, ends up coming down to Alabama and says, I want to pick up your case. And Johnny D's like, man, there's no point. There's no point. 
And he said, no, 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 there is a point because you're innocent and we're going to fight for you. And we're going to do everything we can to stop this execution. And so this young lawyer ends up going against the Alabama judicial system. And you know what? They appealed and the, uh, uh, the, the judge ended up turning it down. And then he appealed that and ended up going to the Supreme Court. And whenever it got to the Supreme Court and they're sitting there and they're having this, this conversation and, and, and they're, they're um, interviewing the witnesses, the, the judge finally takes the case and throws everything out because of, of the evidence that this guy had against him was all false and not true and coerced from fake witnesses or false witnesses. And then in March 2nd of 1993, Johnny D walks out of prison, walks out of being on death row. And it reminds me of this scripture right here, yet they have not prevailed against me. When it seems like there's no hope, when it seems like everything is coming against you, when it seems like the, the challenges of life are, are just attacking you and the enemy is just coming at you with everything that he can, my God is on my side. And because he's on my side, you can take it all. You can even end my life, but at the end of the day, my God will still prevail. My God will still prevail because he is good he is sovereign, and he knows exactly what he is doing. For some of us, we feel like the afflictions are still coming. And the truth is, they may be. First thing we see in this is that we will experience affliction when following Jesus. I think many times in our life and in our culture, we are, we are sold this bill of goods that you follow Jesus and everything's going to be perfectly fine. I'm here to tell you, you follow Jesus and, and all hell's going to end up breaking loose in your life. Like, Michael, this isn't encouraging. No, this is real talk. This is real talk. Why am I saying that? Um, because now you've got a target on your back and Satan's going to try to stop you from doing what it is that God has destined and planned for you. And, and so um, when we experience or we will experience affliction when following Jesus and and as I, I pointed out earlier, Jesus was afflicted. If he was afflicted, what's to say that we won't be? Paul was afflicted. I think about Stephen or Stephen, depending on your translation. The first martyr for Christ. He was afflicted, and he was stoned to death. I also think about the, the early church. I, I think about Emperor Nero who went and literally crucified tens of thousands of Christians. I, I, I think about the wars that have taken place. The church has always experienced affliction and persecution. But just because we experience affliction and persecution, it doesn't mean that Jesus is not fighting for you. If anything, Jesus is with us and he is fighting for us. This is, this is why I love Verse 4, right here, he says, The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. I, I, I literally love that because sometimes God will remove you from situations. God will end up removing, I'm about to go here, God will end up removing a relationship in your life. And you're sitting there mourning the loss of, of this relationship. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm just cutting the wicked things that are trying to attack you off of your life. 
Because I've got your back. You may not see it. You may not be experiencing it right now. You may not feel it. I don't got the joy of the Lord right now. But I'll tell you, last night, I'm sitting there, and it's like 12 o'clock at this point, and I'm, I'm reading, literally doing my final run-through of this, and I'm reading this, that, that verse, and it just stuck out to me. And this little small voice, God's like, hey, Michael, I've cut the wicked things out of your life. I'm like, God, you're so good. Like, you're so good. I just, I just love you. We don't see it. It's painful whenever it happens. But he's righteous. He's righteous. And he has cut the cords of the wicked. Listen, if we live our lives focused on Jesus, he will get glory with your life. He will get glory. He continues on in verses 4 through 8. It says, the Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. He shifts a little bit right here. And he says, may all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backwards. Let them be like the grass on the housetop, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by and say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. He's sitting there and he's talking about the people that are attacking Israel, the people who are afflicting Israel, the people who are worshiping false gods or pagan gods, the people who are a part of culture, who are coming against Yahweh. And he's basically saying, like, these people, number one, are, are not going to bless you. These people are going to come against you. But what they come against you with is not going to end up lasting because my God prevails. Something I think that's, that's interesting, if you're taking notes, I don't even know if you've seen my points, but this is my third point today. Culture, hear me out. Culture will be against the church. Culture will be against the church. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why we think we have some new revelation as human society that we're going to get it right whenever we've been getting it wrong for however long. Like, I, the words of King Solomon, we read this a few weeks ago, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. There's nothing new under the sun. But yet we have this new idea, and we think this new idea is going to, and I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about our culture, our world. Something else that I've seen in our culture and in our world um, is if you look at just the past three years or five years, you're going to see all of these different issues that end up rising. These, these issues that rise up in culture, and that's the most important thing right now. But then you wait a year, and something else is the most important thing. And then you wait another six months, and then something else is the most important thing. Have you seen how quickly the focus of the war on Ukraine has just kind of diminished? Have you seen how, you know, depending on what month climate change is a big deal, and then some months it's not? And listen, I'm, I'm not negating climate change. I want to make that very clear. I do believe the climate is changing. It has just given us a monsoon here in New York. 
But what I'm saying is people elevate these cultural topics to what fits their narrative, and they think that this is the most important thing. And they will use the cultural topics to try to come against the church, to try to come against uh, Christians, to try to come against the word of God, and they will do it in the name of this is the way it needs to be. And man, I'm here to tell you, give it five years, and the cultural thing that's popular now is just going to end up fading away. And that's exactly what this text ends up saying right here. It says, let them be like the grass on the housetops, which wither before it grows up. Do you want to know why the cultural things will never end up amounting to anything? Because it's never going to have time to mature. It's never going to, and that's what he's referencing right here. He's saying, let them be like the grass on the housetops. Because what happens is the grass is on the housetops. You've got the sun beating down on it. It's not going to end up being able to grow and to mature. But you know what does grow and what does mature is the church. People that are following Jesus and building their lives upon that firm foundation. People who are planting themselves on the word of God and according to Matthew 7, building their lives as Jesus being the firm foundation. Those are the things that are going to end up maturing. Those are the things that are going to end up growing. Those are the things that are going to end up flourishing at the end of the day. The other thing that we see is that point number four, Satan, and I love this, Satan will not reap a harvest off of the church. Michael, that, that doesn't make any sense. Let me, just, let me just kind of point this out to you, all right? He says, let them build like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it goes up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binding of she's his arm. Satan is not going to end up reaping off of the harvest that God intends to get. Satan is not going to end up just taking, oh, all these people end up following Jesus and they're completely passionate and you know, let me just rip all that up. He wants to. But we need to be reminded that Jesus disarmed Satan. That Jesus overcomes Satan. That, that Jesus cut off the wicked. And, and so, man, some of us are so worried about Satan in our lives that we're forgetting to focus on the goodness of God. So many of us are trying to fight off these battles and fight off these things instead of just trusting in the goodness of God, saying, God, I really feel afflicted right now. And it really feels like all oh, Hades is going on in my life. It really just feels like everything's coming and attacking me. But God, I'm going to stand on your word and I'm going to stand on your promises and I'm going to stand on your faithfulness because that's what the cross of Jesus did. It disarmed it. That may not go according to plan. May not, let me rephrase that. It may not go according to your plan. But God wants to reach into your life and he wants to take that and he wants to, man, just mold you and get something inside of you. Get something deep down that's going to end up lasting. It's not going to wither out. It's not going to treat you the way that culture and the world treats you. I, I've said this so many times, and this isn't in my notes, and 
The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life abundantly. Man, we get so focused on the enemy in our life instead of focusing on Jesus and the goodness that he has for us, the things that he's blessed us with, the things that he's bestowed upon us. And look, I'll be the first one to tell you, I struggle with this. I struggle with this. Because it's easy for me to just look at all the bad instead of the goodness of God. Any, anyone? Is that just me? Three people, thank you for being honest and truthful in church today. But like, it's easy for me to sit here and to look at the church and just be like, man, there's this problem going on and there's this over here and that person said this over here and, um, you know, the basement flooded, I, I don't know, whatever it may be. Instead of focusing on, no, God, you're good. And, and I don't know necessarily how I'm going to get out of this situation right here. I don't necessarily know how things are going to end up getting turned around for your good, for our good, for your glory. But I'm going to lean in and I'm going to trust you because Satan is not going to reap a harvest off of what the Lord's has. The last point that I have for today, and I just want to kind of talk to us for just a minute as we close out. The world will not bless you, but God will. See, what I think is interesting is the writer here is referencing culture, is referencing the world, is referencing those who are causing the affliction, and he says... Nor do those who pass by and say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. What he's saying right there is, and what I think, honestly, many of us expect to be blessed by the world. We expect to be blessed by culture. But the world's not going to bless us, man. But God will. God will. And, and some of the ways that he blesses us is just simple reminders. Let me, let me just share a few that, you know, and I don't know if this has happened to you, but sometimes you, you get really discouraged and someone will just send that text message to you and that text message is all that you need to keep going. You know, God is using someone to bless you in that moment. Or for me, I opened up Facebook literally yesterday and uh, Pastor May, who sometimes attends here, she sends me this long message. And I'm telling you, she said the exact words that I needed to hear yesterday. The exact words that I needed to hear. And God was like, hey, Michael, that's me blessing you. You, you may not see it, but that is, that is me blessing you. Um, the other thing could be through different situations that God allows you to be put in. I'm sitting there at this airport and frustrated, but at the same time, I had such a life-giving conversation about Jesus with these people at the airport. And man, that just blessed my soul. And God may have allowed that plane to get delayed so that I could just experience that. Would that be crazy to think? Or I think about gifts that people may bestow upon you, right? People just say, hey, I just want to do this, or I want to give this to you. Like, why? 
You know what I've realized the past couple days? I have a hard time receiving blessings from other people. And I don't know if that's you, but I have a really hard time. But God allows other people to be put into my path to where I can be blessed. And I think I just need to accept the blessings that God wants to give us. The other thing that I'm thinking about, and I'm going to close with this. This is a people who had been persecuted, who had been afflicted, who literally had their their backs beat with whips, who had gone through hell as a nation. And they're on their way to Mount Zion. They're on their way to the temple. And they start singing this song. We have been afflicted. We've been afflicted since our youth. But our Lord cuts off the cords to the wicked or of the wicked. As they are approaching Mount Zion, they're singing about the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. And I think that that's such a testimony of what God is doing. Even when it seems like we don't feel it, even when it seems like we're not having everything going right in our life, even when it seems like the plans have changed. We're sitting here, we're singing about the faithfulness of God, about him blessing us, about him restoring us, about him cutting off the cords of the wicked. Sitting at this conference, we get, we get done and I go out and call my wife. And man, I, I was just so encouraged because we hear all the Barna stats, we hear all the negativity in the press, we, we hear uh, what Fox News and CNN say, right, about the church. But yet I'm seeing God do something so beautiful in his church. I'm seeing God strip away so much production and flashiness and bring it back to this simplistic place of just having a heart of worship for God. And I am so encouraged about the church, probably more than I have been in a very, very long time. City Church, I'm so encouraged about what God is doing here. I'm so encouraged about the conversations that I have with people and the testimonies that I'm hearing and the fact that we have shifted and we are becoming a praying church. I'm so encouraged about the the people who are literally cannot wait to get baptized. I'm so encouraged uh, about um, the fall season and what God's going to end up doing this fall season. I'm so encouraged and so excited about youth ministry here and next-gen ministry. And as you can hear, the kids, they're going to start yelling in just a minute because they're really excited. I'm so encouraged, and I'm reminded in all of this, we have been afflicted. But my God, he has the final word. He has the final word. And over the situations in your life and the situations in my life and the attacks that have come upon this church and all the junk that happens, I'm just reminded that Jesus cried out, it is finished. And in that moment, the cord of wickedness was broken over the body. 
We just have to receive the blessing. That's it. Just receive it. Will you stand with me?